0: i Spaces
1: good, man. How are you? Pretty good. How's that
2: drive going for you, Marty?
1: Good. We just started. Actually, I'm at the gas station right now. And i uh, to grab a coffee and hit the road. So it should be about a four-hour drive. But uh, I got lots of stuff to look forward to during that time. I drove yeah. uh, up here, so I get to have the luxury of sitting in the passenger <laughs> seat on the way back. And I couldn't love but- that more
2: that doesn't work with my wife i have to drive the whole time so you're lucky dude
1: <laughs> yeah no i'm uh i'm not happy man how's it going Scaro? hey gmgm GM, guys how's that road trip going good man good it was uh, a good time to visit family and friends it was a short road trip but yeah. You no, said you I were at toronto time. right marty Yes, yeah, yeah. The UFC is there this weekend, and uh, there was a different professional MMA event last night that Dana White was at, and uh, some of the people that I trained with at my gym were fighting, and uh, yeah, they both won, so hopefully they get signed to the UFC. That'd be pretty sweet. That's so cool. That's awesome. It's been a while since I've gone on a road trip, but we'll be watching UFC tonight, fingers crossed. Who are you cheering for?
3: Uh, to be honest, I, <laughs> I'm not sure yet. But we'll be uh, seeing some good friends, seeing some really cool builders in the space as well. So on our side, like, okay. our team's kind of co-locating at the moment, and we've met a few other Web3 folks in the area, and we'll be linking up together uh, to watch the game, watch the fight.
1: That's awesome. That sounds oh, fun.
2: Uh, yeah, that should be a lot of fun for you guys. Um, so let's get started. I'll introduce myself and then Marty, I'll let you introduce yourself and then we'll let Sparrow, um, give himself a brief introduction here. So my name is Eric. I am one of the co-founders of Cosmospaces. I'm also a community manager for Babylon Chain and, uh, yeah, just been in this space now. Cosmospaces actually this week will be two years old. So hopefully we have like a special space going on for that. And uh, just looking forward to it, just really grateful that you know we've been able to have these type of AMAs for now two years. And so always excited to give the platform to these new protocols and to existing ones that are just letting us know more about the roadmap along the way. So uh, without further ado, go ahead.
3: Totally congrats on coming up on two years, y'all. And thank you for having me. It's a, really a pleasure to get to be on Cosmos Spaces, as well as the warm welcome that we have mov- at Movement have received. By the Cosmos ecosystem. So on my side, I dropped out of college to build a SPAC Dow vehicle with this fund of funds. So it was always really interested in finance, came to fall in love with the crypto and blockchain space as the intersection of finance and technology, with tech being the best vehicle to go from zero to one, and as well as the best vehicle to do so without requiring significant amounts of upfront capital. So myself, like growing up was pretty tough. So it was helping my dad pay bills, was kind of like taking care of myself as well there. So I was always bleeding out a ton, right? And looking for what the next big thing was. Like I remember being in high school and thinking like, man, if I was born a few years earlier, then maybe I could have been a part of the Facebook wave and the social media wave. And was looking for that sort of life-changing society, defining opportunity that I would get to be a part of. And so, yeah, when I came across the blockchain space, found it very interesting as this intersection and very cool to see technology used as well as a vehicle to create more frictionless and more intuitive operations, like kind of parallels to how we went from, I don't know, like writing with sticks and stones to writing on rocks and, you know, eventually paper, eventually computers and the ability that like the internet has had in bringing society together and in making things that would never be possible and made possible. And was really interested in you know, looking at blockchain as a space, making that possible. So funnily enough was building infra during the bull market. And then once the bear came around and started building in DeFi. And the reason that I did so is because I came across this new language called move, which solved a lot of my pain points in, in building that really tradFi use case for blockchain, um, but also, funnily enough, r- originally came from Facebook and had the opportunity to completely redefine the way that we build applications and frameworks and blockchains. And um, so I wanted, wanted to just go all in on that, but one of the first DeFi applications there. And in that experience, you know, fell victim firsthand to the effects of fragmentation and centralization that we see within Web3 to where, because the Move blockchains were coming to market in a very competitive, head-to-head way, it meant that there is a really difficult time for anyone in the Move ecosystem to be onboarding the key lifeline metrics that they need and be able to share their protocols with others. And so I got wrecked by this, my co-founder got wrecked by this, um, but we're both really persistent, uh, <clears throat> you know, really gritty people, and so we believed that you know, we could rise from the ashes like a phoenix and do so alongside the <laughs> language and democratize it, bring it to market in a Web three native way. And so that's what actually inspired movement, which is awesome to see. You know, such a tragedy get turned into such an absolute dub for everyone. And you know, we thought originally, like, okay, let's solve our problems as move builders, people building with a really cutting edge tech stack that might not necessarily be accessible. And, you know, let's bring move everywhere. And then in that process of bringing move everywhere, we started to learn a lot more about the pain points that are felt by builders across various chains. We started to, you know, start to get red pilled on this modularity thesis as well. And so we began to design these products, M1 and M2, that sit at the pinnacle of modularity and creating an open framework as well that makes it really easy for builders to access our move stack, access all of the frameworks, toolkits and infrastructure that exist within the movement network. And this is an area where we took a lot of inspiration from the Cosmos ethos of decentralization as well of kind of giving builders all of the the tools that they need to build whatever they are passionate about without necessarily having to sacrifice anything such as reach or accessibility based on where they build or what they build with. Um, So it really is awesome to have kind of done done our first lap around and now get to celebrate a little victory with all of the folks um, within the Cosmos space sharing our, our technology with them and creating some novel solutions here.
2: Yeah, and we definitely have seen, um, like you guys have been announcing partnerships and uh, and just different collaborations within the space. So we definitely see like the support you guys are receiving. Now, one of the first questions I have for you is is one that actually um, was asked to me whenever I let people know that we would be hosting the space with you. And it's if movement is its own L1 or is it just a a framework for others to build on?
3: That's a great question. So, I would consider it as our infrastructure that exists between every L1 and L2. So, although we will have a movement network for applications to be deployed on for folks to interact with, what's really interesting about this is that we plug directly into existing blockchains. And so, as opposed to how layer ones and networks have traditionally come to market is that in order for them to bootstrap they need to take from other chains they need to ask people to leave their ecosystems bridge their assets download a new wallet use a new token use new protocols etc completely change their way of life um we found that to be one of the big accessibility problems that was hindering the adoption of the move language so in this sense we also took a lot of inspiration from amazon where we want to deliver move based environments to the front door of every builder and every person uh, who's in Web3 today. So, we don't necessarily have our own layer one environment. Like, we are firstly launching a layer two on top of Ethereum. And then we'll be launching things leveraging like sidechain architectures and, and infrastructures of other EVM based blockchains as well, such that you're able to be plugged in natively uh, to that network. And then, you know, some of our earliest backers were really close with the Wormhole team, and Borderless was one of our leads from our pre-seed round. And so, it really is an honor to get to Jam with really smart folks like these who have pioneered bridging technologies from a few cycles ago, and create novel mechanisms for the ways that our move environments across different blockchains are able to more seamlessly communicate with one another. Where our long-term vision here is that we're going to be able to unify Web3 under the performance and security of the move language by bringing our movement network to market in a way that's collaborative and not competitive, thinking more of, okay, how can we give to these builders? How can we give to this blockchain? Then how can we take away from them and and create our own slice of the pie?
1: Yeah that's that's awesome
2: um it's it's really cool just to see um like kind of the things that have motivated you and what and i like seeing that you're taking like the best of these different protocols or different companies and trying to like learn from them so i think that's really exciting and cool now um when you guys first uh um when i first approached us we saw that you guys were doing cosmos week divided into like last week and i think um this week as well i wanted to ask you like what was what was the thought behind that, and like how how's it gone for you guys? How do you guys feel like the Cosmos Week went for you guys?
3: It went so well. I mean, we planned to have a Cosmos Week, and now we've kind of had a Cosmos by week. Maybe maybe even have a tri week <laughs> a month. month if we're feeling a little.
1: A little <laughs> here,
3: um, <clears throat> what really brought together uh, this idea of having a Cosmos Week is that we were jamming with the Union team, where they've got this really cool protocol that helps builders access Cosmos, IBC, and then access all of the network effects, all of the other protocols and app chains and infrastructure that exist within this. You know, Kind of like how we're doing this with Move, um, they're doing it with IBC, but it's something that like any team, any protocol um, can access as well. So like really rad folks over there. And then we're thinking, well, if we're plugged into IBC, this opens a million different doors to us. And so we started chatting with some other teams. Um, you know, we've, we've been chatting with Skip, uh, with Leap, with Cato, kind of figuring out all sorts of ways that we can integrate not only these different really awesome protocols into our network, but then also package them in a way that all of the other applications that are building on us will be able to easily access too. And another really standout team that we started working with here um, was the Noble team. So. Our side here, like we want to have native USDC, naturally that, that's really important um, for early stage DeFi and protocols. And when we were chatting with them about how we'd be supporting IBC by working um, with Union, they mentioned that, you know, they were really keen on collabor- collaborating with Union as well. And so we, we kind of made the almost like a little thruple here.
2: Yeah, it's a no brainer. Yeah, it,
3: it was really awesome as well to see like not just like separate teams integrating our move stack and integrating into our open framework, but then actually doing so kind of under this umbrella, I, I kind of think of movement as this, uh, how do you say, like primordial soup. It's it's kind of this like like melting pot of different builders coming together, creating novel products with one another to where now it's it's going to be very easy for teams you know not just from a network standpoint but for teams building on us to simultaneously be accessing um ibc as well as some of the really beneficial integrations such as usdc and Noble. and so with that we wanted to put on a week where we were not only shouting out you know the different folks that now every single builder every single move builder every single evm builder who's using our, our fractal transpiler and plugging into our movement network is able to access and, and have the benefits of, but also showcase that novel connections and, and novel innovations are, are coming together under this movement umbrella.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've shared some of the tweets where you guys are announcing some of those partnerships that you have. Um, first, the. The great trouble that you have there with the union and noble, which at that was to me was the biggest one. I was like, whoa, like that to me really put you on the map just to be able to announce it, especially with noble. And then they just kept coming. I felt like you skip. You had Kato, Leap Wallet. So I'm curious to see, you know, what what that will work with with Leap Wallet. So, um, yeah, just I was going to ask you like how how you felt um approaching these different projects? Has it been like an easy sell, or is it take a lot of convincing? How, how's that experience been?
3: Yeah what's really awesome here is that we meet with these teams and it almost feels like you know a, a long lost brother or a long lost sister that we're meeting <clears throat> where we're thinking about decentralization and thinking of the real value proposition of protocol adoption and within web3 we all came to this for pretty similar reasons but it's really cool how we landed in different areas and it really does feel like a welcome home, you know, to be coming into the cosmos ecosystem, something where we have you know certain ideals as to what we believe with regard to decentralization, what we believe with regard to how applications should be able to permissionly permissionlessly interact with one another. And that that is you know the primordial soup. That is the catalyst you know for um, the growth of the space here. But of course, we came from very centralized chains and, and very centralized ecosystems and whatnot there. Um, so it really is like a breath of fresh air and an honor to be um, so welcomed by all of these teams into the Cosmos ecosystem. And we're really grateful to get to bring the Move language and a, a really diverse ecosystem of Move-based applications and frameworks <clears throat> as well um, for all of these folks to get to work with now, too.
2: Yeah. Well, what would you say has been the biggest challenge that movement has faced so far? And what have you guys done to overcome them or or plan to overcome them?
1: Yeah, I think
3: one of the really big challenges is that we have a brand new smart contract development language and, you know, a very entrenched market within Web3. And there's a really good reason um, for this entrenchment. Even though it's kind of contradictory um, to the ethos of blockchain and, and crypto, that at the end of the day, most layer ones and most layer twos, they're made to be businesses. And so when you're a business, you know, they're thinking of how can we create a moat? How can we lock in the token holders, lock in our developers, and lock in the applications so that we can have a competitive edge over everyone else who's building? and so The way that a lot of these layer ones and layer twos have thought about doing this is by creating a very specific tech stack for their network. So that if you're a builder on a certain blockchain, if you want to launch on another one, suddenly you realize like you have a significant amount of tech debt where it's difficult to launch in a different environment. It requires a lot of engineering resources, as well as ultimately going to split your community. Right. Because there's not very strong communication mechanisms, and the ones that do exist are constantly getting hacked. It's terrifying. Like, I'm holding my breath every time <laughs> I use a bridge, every how even every time that I, I, I send money from one wallet to another, I, I'm terrified that, that it's going to just disappear, get lost in this ether. Yeah. Right. So, <clears throat> the effects of this, I believe, that we've seen is that we have a very fragmented web three and you know maybe that's all in well you know in 2020 when there weren't you know 50 different layer ones and 50 different layer twos and the ones that were popping up because there were a lot of new people coming in to web three they were able to disperse themselves amongst these different networks and you know there's a lot of liquidity flowing and everyone was able uh, to see those rising tides but in the market that we're in today, or at least the market that we had been in over the prior two years. Fingers crossed that things, you know, look up on, look, start to look up a little bit more. Is one in which it's not just like the taps have been turned off, and there's not that same amount of people coming into Web three, but a lot of folks are actually leaving, and a lot of folks are centralizing around Ethereum because you know, that's that's kind of you know winter's winter came. <laughs> And so folks were congregating to where all of the food storages were, if you will. And that led to a lot of ghost towns. It led to a lot of of pain points um, for builders there. So to be bringing something as fundamentally different as a new programming language into this Web3, in which it was becoming very centralized and a quite old tech stack, uh, it was very difficult, and it takes a lot of you know selling naturally in order to <clears throat> convince folks to you know use something different here. So yeah. the way that we're solving this problem is firstly from an architecture p o v. what I find really interesting about modularity is that you can create i think you can create very scalable um, solutions, not just like scalable in the context of the application or the framework, but scalable in the context of it has the ability to scale other things in addition. So the way that I think about it <clears throat> is almost like a, a, like a converter where, for example, if you're using a Mac, you might not have a USB, you, you might not have a USB port, but you can plug a, an adapter Into your Mac, so that then you can use USB, you can use HDMI, you can use DisplayPort, whatever. And so we're thinking of our network kind of similarly to that, in which on the the back end, so on the like backwards compatibility side, we can be plugged into every existing chain, creating a a bespoke and curated product to that system. And then on the front end, creating this universal virtual machine. Layer in which move anyone building with move can agnostically communicate with each other, and it doesn't matter anymore if one chain is USB and one chain is HDMI because we've got a USB plugin, we've got an HDMI plugin, and then in the middle, we have something that is distinctly movement connecting these folks. Secondly, we've additionally created this really awesome product called Fractal, it's a transpiler. So what that means is if you've created an application within Solidity and you want to upgrade your performance to move so that your, your builders and the folks who are entrusting their assets to you aren't going to have to worry about reentrancy attacks or other vulnerabilities and that particularly plague the Solidity language, <clears throat> you can upgrade those smart contracts without having to rewrite them right so you put in solidity and outcomes move and then you're able to decide where you want to deploy to because where applications exist they exist in in this in that distinct movement network and then can choose what chain they deploy to so because they also all exist in the same place it you know makes it very easy for these protocols to collaborate with each other to partner um but then additionally can deploy into multiple environments where it's less of a a fragmentation. And it's more like, you know, if they have a restaurant and they're suddenly able to open up in another part of town in which they can now access entirely new markets, share their protocols and share what they've built with entirely new ecosystems in a way that is as frictionless to them as possible, removing all of the pain points of tech debt, like, the tech debt is the cross which we as movement bear handling all of the integrations which with each of the respective chains
0: and handling
3: the communication infrastructure between the different networks. Um, but yeah, we just want people to be able to build what they want to build with. We want people to be able to easily access others' protocols and frameworks so that they can scale, they can create new things and you know, grow the space together and do so in a way that Unifies web three without having any you know necessarily necessary requirements of bridging assets using new infrastructure leaving the ecosystem you're familiar with but rather to get the best of both worlds so there's been a lot of a lot of work on our side with regard to um, building out like the best user experience possible and how that informs the tech stack and in our opinion that's the way that we address you know, the the really difficult question of how do we bring a new language to market in a market that is very, very entrenched in incompatible and, you know, very almost contradictory technologies. Yeah.
2: So that is crazy. Kind of blows my mind, like that you'd be able to kind of even have like a pop-up store somewhere in a completely different ecosystem than what you've built in. Is there any, like, because it's so easy to do that, is there any security considerations that that you need to think of when you're building on movement or like does it make it vulnerable to anything or or what makes it so safe if it's so easy to use anywhere
3: yeah i I think that it ties to the move language itself so a little bit of background about move and how it was born way back when like at like 2017 2018 facebook was creating this libra diem Uh, remember that. <laughs> yeah, they, they wanted to create a payments platform that could be connected to their Facebook. And particularly, yeah. they wanted to onboard all of their big tech and their big finance friends. So they were looking at solidity. And these folks were like, there's no way in hell that <laughs> that we're going to be putting <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars and lots of sensitive data in something in which... Like there could literally be a science in cracking solidity with how esoteric some of, for example, the Kyber hack, how esoteric some of these vulnerabilities are. And with it being near impossible to guarantee security as as well as being pretty difficult um, to learn and pretty unintuitive to read from a a development um, perspective. And I, I know I rip on Solidity, but I I want to make clear that I'm doing so because it's it's been almost a decade since it's come out, and the market has shifted so much since then. Like it was such a huge leap forward at its time, like being the very first smart contract development language. It's like if we were launching a, a space shuttle from Earth to Pluto, right? Like that is such an incredible distance that even the millionth of a degree. Is, is going to be necessary if you want to hit the bullseye. And then like yeah, a planet, yeah. you, it's a moving target too that naturally shifts with the evolution of markets. And so to think that solidity is going to be the language that is always going to be best, like no, naturally after so long and after we've pushed the boundaries of what's possible in so many different ways that it, it would not even be possible to think of when you know, the language was being created. Um, that yeah. we need something new. So Facebook, they saw this and um, they were looking at other languages you know, that were existing as well, particularly Rust stood out as one that was very interesting in, in being able to more clearly like define types being much more asset oriented and generally better for creating like data secure applications. And so they created a derivative of the Rust language that was blockchain native. And geared specifically towards different ownership models, geared specifically towards you know how assets are flowing from one place to another. So, an object lesson that I, I like to use to visualize move versus solidity is that solidity. When when you think of objects, it, it's kind of like a magician act in which things will disappear and they'll appear in another place, and you've got to pray that you know in that little teleportation that are being shifted. <laughs> And you're not about to your protocol is not about to get completely drained. Whereas with move, assets are, are more like physical objects that have ownership can only exist in one place at one time. And you create clear guidelines and pipelines for how they flow from one place to another. So for example, if you have a vault, you're not only able to determine. One, who has access to the vault, who's even allowed to touch it and move assets from one place to another. But then secondly, within those smart contracts, you're hard coding where they can go. So you're creating these pipelines with hard-coded guardrails such that someone couldn't drain from a vault into their wallet. They could only move from one place to another. And so these, these systems of the pipelines, they're called modules, and move code is broken down into many of those. And so when you think about how applications scale, when they become more complex, with solidity contracts, it's kind of like the surface area of a sphere in which it's increasing exponentially as they get more complex, very wide surface area of attack. Some as imaginary and, and esoteric is what we saw um, with Kyber, but with move, it scales a bit more logarithmically instead so as your your application becomes more complex yeah naturally there's going to be more areas that it can be attacked from but you're saving so like you have so few um attack vectors just because of, of how safe um the language
1: intrinsically is as a protocol there
2: awesome thank you for for that explanation. Uh, I wanted to ask you, I saw that a couple of days ago, um, you guys announced your testnet. So I wanted to ask if you could kind of like talk to us a little bit about that and talk to us a little bit about your roadmap going forward. Yeah,
3: absolutely. So excited to share the Parthenon roadmap um, with everyone. So we haven't officially opened the testnet just yet. We wanted to give everyone a sneak peek as to what's coming up and, and what's on our radar. And particularly what we're looking at here is the unification of Aptos and SWE move environments in one location with full composability with EVM. So this is happening on our M1 product, um, which is our first blockchain that's coming to market in the first piece of our movement network. What's really interesting, you hear Aptos move, SWE move, and it's almost a misnomer because although they are both derivatives of the move language, they're very different. And Sui as well has a very different um, model in which it communicates with the consensus of blockchains. And so they're not necessarily the same. There's a lot of work that goes into supporting both forms of move. Um, and then as it relates to M1, this is the first piece of the puzzle for the broader movement network. So the way that I think about it is sort of like building a space shuttle, but not just a space shuttle that we think of like NASA. I'm talking like Star Wars space shuttle. And this is the very first time that something like this has been built. And so within it, there's so many different pieces that you need to have not just functional, but working in the intersections of the two working well together. So for M1 this is it's the capstone that makes us the pinnacle of modularity because it enables us to extend the snowman consensus mechanism to any blockchain. What's really cool about snowman it was pioneered by the avalanche researchers as the next great leap forward from Nakamoto consensus mechanisms kind of similar to how move is the next great leap forward from solidity or Rust-based um, programming and smart contracts. What's cool with Snowman is that where, as Nakamoto scales, all of the validators, you have to check in with each one of them in order to achieve consensus. And so if we're reaching the percentages of affirmations that you need to have you know, a, a secure and justifiable decision, when you go past 100 val- like even at 100 validators, it, it starts to get a little bit slow because you have to check in with every single one not necessarily every single one, but the way that the percentage is, is working. Whereas with Snowman Consensus, yeah. it's a gossip-based model. And so you don't necessarily need to check with every single validator in order to achieve you know, a good consensus. And so if you look at Avalanche, for example, they've been able to use Snowman Consensus in order to hit over a 1,000 validators for a very decentralized network, as well as having sub-second finality as well. So this is something that we're able to bring and extend to you know, every chain that we go to as well. So we kind of think of it as like building a warp core almost. And like it, you, you can just say if you're building a warp core, like that is very difficult to do. You can't necessarily test that in production as well. That that's how things go boom and and how galaxies get destroyed. Right. So <laughs> figuring out ways in order to yeah. effectively test all of all of these different uh, mechanisms as well as like. The things that might not be as fun as testing a warp core, like imagining mm-hmm. you know, the glass on the front of your space shuttle, you got to make sure that when you're moving at light speed, when you're moving at you know, the rate that the warp core enables you to hit, that you're not having leaks. You, know, you, you don't want the oxygen to be flowing out. You don't want it to crack under the pressure. Right? So there's even like theoretical things um, that we're testing, because what we're doing has never been done before, which is <laughs> incredibly exciting. Um, but also means that so cool. we got to make sure that we're doing this right. So the first stage of our test net here is we're onboarding, you know, very special, very select set. Uh, I don't a set is even you know kind of almost like a, a bigger um, word than than what describes the number and and folks we're working with here um, for the very early stage testing of this network. And then we're going to start slowly growing the pie here, onboarding some more validators, onboarding some more folks into this network um, and, and testing some more things there. And then start to onboard you know, pro- all of the applications within where we've already had um, a lot of folks uh, deploy, but then we'll be unveiling the front ends for these applications and something that more folks are going to be able to use and, and be able to work with and play with. Um, which is then going to tie into some really fun incentives that we're planning on an ecosystem level for the folks who are participating uh, within the testnet there. And then continuing to release you know, different upgrades to the network, such as the M2, which is our layer two on top of Ethereum, in which folks will be able to onboard you know natively and deploy their applications to the biggest market within Web3 there. And around then, you know, likely doing something in which we're going to really ramp up, you know, the different rewards and different things that people will be able to earn and be able to have given away to them um, in the space, as well as seeing a lot of applications within our network, doing something pretty similar to there, where I would expect that our, our testnet is going to be riddled with various incentives and various ways for people to get involved. And earn things, you know, not just from movement, but even more so from the folks that are building uh, on top of us, because we really believe in this like give first mentality, and that the real benefit of Web three is that like we're we're able to give um, to folks and able to do so in a way that aligns with the bottom lines of protocols and networks uh, that are being built. And so this is kind of like a message to all traders, a message to all of the deachins and memers, like we're here to give you a home. And would love to hear feedback on, you know, what is it that you want to see from a network? How is it that you like to play with things? And you know, what do you want to see? Um, you know, when you're doing things on a test net, so that as we're doing things, as applications are doing things here, like this, this is a movement. And a, a, a movement isn't a movement if we don't have everyone um, involved here. So, yeah.
2: Sure. I think this is a good um, opportunity for me to share uh, about your movement community program. And I wanted to ask you because um, it it is hard to, you know, uh, be able to balance the two, being able to uh, balance actually building and then involving the community and engaging them. So um, I think that is a good opportunity to talk more about this program, but also tell us, like, you know, how are you guys determining, like, what the right
1: balance is between doing both things? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, firstly, in in terms of community side, we're comprised of so many different folks.
3: Like what's really awesome about movement is that there's so many different people um, from so many different walks of life, so many different backgrounds and passions coming together. And I believe that as a melting pot, it's important that we give the ability for every single person in the network to be able to realize their potential and contribute their special sauce, if you will. And so as we build out our various facets of the community program, like right now we have things that are associated with learning about movement and teaching others. I I believe that the best way to learn something is to articulate it and share it with others. So that's the first stage that we have here. We're going to be unveiling some art contests pretty shortly. We've, We've done some meme contests over and um, the holiday season had had some really funny, really funny things um, made there. We have developers that are coming to the ecosystem. And what's really cool is that they're able to earn you know, a fair piece of the network by helping us with their with our documentation, helping us you know with how we're articulating the tech to others and helping create a better experience for other devs and protocols that are, are onboarding and coming into the network. As we get you know closer to testnet, I think that we're going to see some more things oriented around like trading as well. Um, we're we're really excited um, for the future testnet weeks, which we're going to have different themes and different. Um, you know, that that's all the alpha I can share uh, <laughs> regarding that um, and with the testnet. But yeah, like the way that we think about it is that you know there are folks who are more inclined for like learning, folks who want to be marketing and kind of want to be sharing the good news with others, folks who want to create art, folks who want to create memes, folks who want to trade, right? And so the way that we think of these community programs is like, if if it were me in their shoes, what would I want to see in terms of like, I don't know, it's like creating a Kantian system of incentives yeah. in which when people are doing the things that they like to do, that they're going to be seeing rewards and seeing benefits um, just just for doing what they like to do. And to me, that's like the beauty of Web3 in which we're able to more clearly define these different structures of how value is flowing between different parties, almost like a carbon cycle or a phosphorus cycle as well, where like in traditional industries and in the traditional world, we see all of the value just accruing to the top pretty agnostically, like these folks have just found the way to extract it from others. Whereas in the system we're building, we, we just want to keep iterating on how can we create, create a system in which we are defining like how we are giving um, to others. And so our vision here is that folks will be able to earn a piece of the network and be able to earn pieces within the network as well. And just by doing what they're passionate about and what they want to do.
2: That's beautiful. And I I agree, like everyone has, you know, something else that they're good at and not necessarily the same. So being able to just work, do whatever you're good at and being able to contribute, I think does truly bring everyone together. So it's always cool. Whenever, you know, you, you set it up so everyone can participate
1: in that fashion. Now, um, I did want to ask you, so, um, I'm, I'm not too sure about your
2: social platform. So I, I know I shared this tweet right now for people to get involved in your community. Do you guys have Telegram, Discord? Uh, how can someone get involved in, in the movement ecosystem
3: in
1: your community? Absolutely.
3: Thank, thank you for the plug there. So on <laughs> just about all of our partnership announcements, if you scroll to the very bottom of any one of those, you're going to see a link to our community and ambassador programs. You're going to see a link to our Discord. A link to our telegram as well. So really excited as well to share um, some some alpha that's coming um, within our discord is that we already have a lot of different roles, a lot of different ways to earn XP and um, for you know whatever you as a person are passionate about and interested in. But pretty shortly, um, we're, we're going to be unveiling some games and some treasure hunts and some really awesome uh, ways to get more involved there folks so i really recommend checking out the discord and snooping around seeing the different roles that you're able to earn and really excited to uh, you know soon be sharing more about the different perks and the benefits that are going to be coming with each one of those roles i think it's going to be really fun too because you can kind of think of it as like in world of warcraft or in destiny where you're able to choose your class and your subclass and have various you know, opportunities and various things at your disposal um, for where you go and creating something where, I don't know, I, I think we really wanna be able to help show and create identities uh, within uh, Web3 here as well for all of the folks coming.
2: Yeah, I always think it's cool, especially whenever um different protocols like really gamify in that way, make it fun. Um I think it's really cool. So I'm glad that you guys are going to do that. Well, i um, no so
3: like, I was just thinking like like I'm trying to have fun too. Like half of this like this is that
2: I would yeah. like
1: go do in my <laughs> free time.
3: <laughs> well, it, it it's not going to be a community
2: unless it's fun. So yeah, I totally get it.
1: <laughs> since
2: since we're talking about community and you know like I love the focus that you guys have on decentralization um like just when you talked about the validator set being as big as an avalanche, I had no idea, you know, um, that snowman thing you were talking about, uh, how big a validator set can be. Uh, it got me thinking about like governance. So I feel like um, the future of governance with movement will be like truly fully decentralized. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on like the future of governance uh, with movement and how does movement play a role in that?
3: Oh man. So now, now we're getting into the real, um, theoreticals <laughs> as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that there's honestly, there's a lot of pieces that we haven't unveiled yet that are going to have significant impacts on what governance is going to look like at movement. So what, I'm, what I'll share here, you can think of as being maybe like 10 to 15, if we're maybe 20%, of what governance is going to look like from this like theoretical point of view, in which I think that the folks who are participating within the network naturally ought to have the biggest share of where the network goes. But I think that even within this, we can also identify that different folks are going to have different expertises that naturally might be weighted in different sorts of ways. So, for example, we may be able to delineate what is a business governance decision, what is a technical governance decision. And even within, say, the technical governance decisions, there's going to be different things that we're targeting here, such as being pursuant to an open source ethos, doing things that are going to contribute to decentralization as a a case study to display how difficult and sometimes contradictory things as such as this might be. Imagine you have a company, let's say it's a, a traditional Web2 company, what the tech wants and what the business wants, a technical decision might have sweeping impacts on the business model that a company currently has. And perhaps the, what is one of the best revenue mechanisms, a small decision in a technical side might have an implication as to how possible that is. And then may need to start getting input from the business side where, if a technical decision is being made, can something comparable be done? Can there be a new business model, something that's better, something that's more pursuant to the technical ethos? You, know, you kind of get this question of like, I don't know, it reminds me of like, in, in Jujutsu Kaisen, there's this line, it's like, does the soul shape the body or does the body shape the soul? And I think that that's also going to be a very interesting question with regard to governance. And that's looking at it from a very, very blurred perspective, where there's so much yeah. beyond just like business and technology, so many things that are within, things that are very business, things that are very technology, things that might be a little bit of both there. Um, so I don't know, what I think would be really interesting is perhaps as we define and um, this this Kantian system of incentives and of earning placement of earning rewards and you know various pieces of the network that I think that those can then be associated uh, with various forms of expertise or various forms of authority on those certain matters which you know one has proven to be
1: um like uh, accruent in would be very interesting to see how and if
3: roles which we create in ways that folks are able to be involved within a network might then be translated to governance and to authority on certain expertises. And perhaps if say a role, which
1: we define can, and, so for example, um, like, a, uh,
3: what what I mean to say here is if a role in discord can translate, directly to a certain council, let's say, that might play a role in the direction of the network. So I am I was trying to define like, okay, there. let's say there's a role on open sourcing and then there would be a council on open yeah. sourcing that would make decisions relevant to the open sourcing of the network. I'm unsure, it would be very interesting to create something like that, but I'm unsure how one to one each role might necessarily be, or, or how that might um, come together. But something that I can say that is a hell of a lot more, <laughs> more tangible um, than this really fun thought exercise on governance and, and <laughs> how to tie the various facets of the network together into this composite, this whole that's greater than the sum of its parts. What we can say is that I believe that from a token standpoint, that when all of the tokens are emitted and and out there within the network, they should, the folks who should hold the most of them should be like the builders, it should be the participants in the network, it should be the memers, it should be the folks who are participating in our community and ambassador programs, et cetera, here. So what I mean to say is that it's unlikely that governance is going to be one-to-one, like how many tokens you have determines how much say you have. But in terms of a decentralization perspective, we do have community first tokenomics in which the majority of tokens are dedicated towards the ecosystem to the network participants and folks here. So we're always looking for ways to give grants to folks that are building public goods, building applications, always looking ways for folks to earn various allocations of future tokens that would be released on the movement network you know, for their participation, that's something that plays a really key role within our community programs, and within the various ways that folks will get involved. We're going to keep iterating and figuring out how to design a, a better form of governance and a better way that we can, you know, move this network together in unison as an ecosystem, but can say certainly that in terms of like the, the pieces of the network, the tokens, some of the various things there, like we want that to be held by the folks who are participating in it, not by us.
2: I love that, I love that. Now, I know you've mentioned that you want, you know, people to build on top of movement. So I know it's still really early on, but is there anything that's currently being worked on to be built on top of movement? Is there anything you're excited about or or is that too early? Yeah. Yeah, I
3: mean, there's some really cool products that are being built on here. So firstly, we have a lot of DeFi projects, um, such as Mox, such as Zebra Trade, that are leveraging the move language to have like higher throughput or, le- or leveraging move to, um, to create some unique innovations that wouldn't necessarily be possible uh, being built with other smart contract development languages. We have some really cool teams that are building social and consumer applications as well. Like one that's really interesting is called Gilder. So you can think of it as like a tender for games in which you're able to track like your. Oh, it's really cool. cool. Yeah. you have to track um I remember back when I was playing <laughs> Destiny, like when I was doing the raids, every single person would be like, you need to have Yalahorn, or we're going to kick you. Imagine if like you could prove on-chain that you had that weapon and it's like, look, man, I I have the right to join your fire party, like or your fire fire spot, like let's stuff oh, come <laughs> on. Um but a really cool next step from that as well. Um, is the use of NFTs for social uh, applications as well, even beyond that, where imagine this Tinder for games. Like, I really want to see a Web3 based product be built for the speed running community, where that is like, a, it's something that's very culturally relevant. It's been growing a ton over the past um, few years, always had a really core community, but it, it's awesome to see it starting to go mainstream. But things are still kind of fragmented. You know, like if you're a Pokemon mm-hmm. speedrunner, you might not know the Mario Kart speedrunners, even if both of just... <laughs> Yeah, they're just focused in their own game. Yeah. Like, even if you've both, accom- like I'm a huge fan of Summoning Salt, that YouTube channel. So it's like there are so many people who have co- who've accomplished absurd feats of skill and excellence. And it would be really cool for these people not just to be able to identify each other, but then wherever they go on social forums uh To be able to be, be recognized. recognized, yeah, and like same goes for me, man. Yeah. Like, if I'm on the COD forums talking trash about like people who use a certain weapon, <laughs> and someone tells me to get good, I should be able, like, I should be able to show a badge next to my name, or maybe it's like the color of my name that proves that I got Damascus. You are killed every time, like. <laughs> Like, know your place, trash. Like, that's weird, not you. <laughs> right?
1: like, I, I,
3: That's hilarious. I think gaming is something that's only going to become bigger and bigger. And it's been cool to see a lot of games being built around Web3. But what would be really cool as well, from my perspective, is to see social applications for games being built using Web3. And this is an area where Move as a language where it's like really geared towards things such as NFTs. Um, with Move, you also have what's called dynamic NFTs, where you can swap out attributes of them without having to invoke a transaction. So it's like that upgrading process, value rules oh, wow. native to the NFT itself, not native to the smart contracts of a protocol which stores the NFT, which is, is necess- isn't is necessarily as, as very Web3. <laughs> um, but I yeah, would love yeah. to see. Uh, folks building around that I'm really excited for the gilder team what they're building really excited for the the zebra Perp decks um, trading as well and the mox team that is still in stealth but they're about to be making a big splash as well
2: that's so awesome that you guys already have so many projects that have been built on top of move and i've uh, you know you've mentioned destiny a couple times my brother's a big destiny guy and he was pretty depressed a couple months ago whenever, um, I think his name was Lance Reddick passed away because he was a big part of the game. I was going to you know, kind of go off topic there and see if you felt that same pain that
3: he did. Um. Well, I was really big in Destiny like the first year that it came out. Like I played a little bit of Destiny 2, but honestly, since I've started building, I haven't been able to really play video. It has been <laughs> the same.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I cool. yeah, to- totally understand that. Um, I did. I know that you've, um, from what I've seen, you know, you have all these partnerships in the Cosmos um, with a lot of different protocols now. Um, are you guys doing the same outside of the Cosmos space? Do you guys have a lot of collabs with other organizations, blockchains, protocols outside?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So particularly, like naturally, we're really close with the Move ecosystems and the Move teams there as well. Mm-hmm. We're very close with the Avalanche ecosystem. They've been a huge inspiration to us, and it's really exciting um, to get to extend some of the the great applications and the great technologies coming from that ecosystem into many other places as well there. And then, of course, we we support some projects from just about every chain uh, out there, but I think that going forward, you're going to see a lot more weeks, kind of like Cosmos Week, oriented around different networks and different applications and what's going on there. I would be surprised if you were, like, as exciting and as kind of, like, just an absolute, like, spark as, as what we've seen with Cosmos Week. So, fingers crossed, but the bar is set really high. <laughs> hey, well, you know,
2: good good luck uh, on keeping that spark going. But, yeah, it's it's really hard to top the Cosmos in our eyes. Not biased, right? <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. Yeah, I really rock with, um, I don't know, just... What's been able
3: to be embodied of the ethos of Web three and decentralization, and seeing what's been what's been possible through this, so really excited uh, to be bringing a lot of new builders into the Cosmos space, get a lot of exposure to them as well as extending the possibilities of IBC naturally to other networks and other places as well. I'm kind of being pursuant to that ethos and creating like a new melting pot, a new world, and almost like a renaissance or a golden age of smart contract development. And building that I, I believe we can usher in with movement and with the help of IBC, with the help of all of the really awesome teams um, that are building here and are, are so uh, forthcoming is not, n- not necessarily the right word, but like so
1: willing and eager uh, to get to collaborate and work with you know, the other folks here. Thank you. Uh, Sparrow? Since we're we're getting
2: close to the, the wind, down, wind down time, um, if there's anything that we haven't hit on that you wanted to talk about um, before we start winding things down?
3: Like, honestly, this has been an absolute pleasure. I also want to thank everyone in the audience today. I can think of a better way to spend a weekend Saturday afternoon than saying, kind of jamming about uh, crypto here. <laughs> awesome awesome. yeah we truly
2: enjoyed it me and marty been talking in the background really impressed by you um you're just chill and uh so bright so we really enjoyed this talk with you um and i i feel honored that you know like if if this is truly the wind down of cosmos week that we got to kind of talk about you know what you guys did and uh, got to celebrate it with you guys so just congratulations for a successful cosmos week if this is the end of it if not you know let's keep celebrating it on forth
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So um, just kind of like a little recent update for Cosmospaces itself. Um, I'm just going to give a quick rundown here of Cosmospaces. We'll announce our next show and then we'll we'll end things. So Cosmospaces is a group of nine volunteers located across the world that met via the Cosmos ecosystem. Currently, the Cosmospaces team runs bare metal validators and we're actively operating on over 30 chains. Cosmos spaces facilitates over 150,000 monthly transactions serving as backbone for the IBC connections across 24 chains. And we are consistently ranked among the top 10 performant relayers, also providing over 80 public endpoints, RPC API, and so on. Um, our team is dedicated on making AMAs like this. So, you know, like we said, there's been two years of us doing AMAs like this. We have over 450 hours of spaces during that time where we are delivering valuable insights to projects, uh, introductions, governance discussions, and much more within our spaces. Um, So like I said, again, hopefully we get to celebrate that here in the next couple of days when we celebrate our official two-year thing. Um, We truly appreciate any support that you, the audience, can give us with delegations. Keep an eye, keep up in the active set, and we're all set giving back to the community. So we are community validator who always loves to give back. So just appreciate everyone's support. Sparrow, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I loved learning about movement. Um, I wasn't as familiar about it, with it before, but I'm truly excited for what you're building, for the passion and vision you have. But once again, thank you for joining us.
3: Hi, thanks for having me. And thanks for everyone for coming. Uh, definitely follow movement page, keep in touch um, for future updates and future opportunities in alpha being dropped and definitely keep an eye on Cosmos Spaces as well here and all of the hosts because I, I think a lot of the cool things that we're going to see coming up in the cosmos space are it's going to be a bit of alpha for what y'all might see coming soon to movement as well so I make sure keep it keep an eye out
1: awesome
2: yeah we, we hope to host you soon again with you know whatever latest you guys have um so truly excited for that I know that we do have uh, one show coming up on Wednesday Marty will be hosting uh so look forward to that it'll be nine a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sparrow, once again, thank you. And like he said, make sure you follow him. Make sure you follow the movement account. Join their social media platforms and you can partake in their ambassador program. Get involved in the community. A lot of cool things happening with the movement. Bye bye, everyone.
1: Thanks for your
0: time, Sparrow. That was a great conversation. Take care, everybody. It's red-down days got em acting all bankless Yo fam, what? Check these tokenomics, they probing this bear Flexing broken ice, I had to lay my soul down I'm just roasting natas, and then to end a long day Eleven bowls of chronic, never known the politic I was born to frolic, it's been my policy To pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom Over impossible loss, it's all moss And I'm liking the odds, but I'm doing the morning Forming mycological problems a place smacking on the hostage, like the shit is play for keeps. Clowns white knight and all these maple leaves, they call it implausible. When model after model keeps on ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats, tearing apart your community. All these low hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity, gotta plan it in reach. Coming standard to each, I'm on the back ten, stargazing after the siege. Commanding all the management to grab a few seats, and then we we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east. Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats. Hands up if I got